Hello, everyone, and welcome to Direct Access with Tiffany Carroll. This is really sweet opportunity and space to explore all the ways that we can directly access power, power within, power without, our experience and understanding and embodiment of power. And today I have a special guest, Heather Ivany, and <laughs> we are going to be having a conversation about spiritual sovereignty. And so with that, I'm actually going to hand it over to Heather to say a little bit about more, more about who she is and what she does, and then we'll dive into the topic. Heather. Awesome. Thank you, Tiffany. Super honored to be here with your audience and you. And anytime I get to be in your company, it's such delicious yumminess. So I'm super thrilled to be here. So yes, I'm a yoga teacher living in Fernie, BC, and I've been teaching yoga for about 25 years. Uh, that shifted about five or six years ago where I started to move into more of a mentorship role. And then most recently in the last three years, I've added uh, the Akashic Records as another layer into my offerings. So I use this eclectic mix of um, asana, meditation, philosophy, Akashic Records, um, all sort of matrixed into a four month long program uh, where I support people in reclaiming their spiritual sovereignty, similar to the work that you do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Before we started recording, we were we were talking about how we're both working with this reality of sovereignty, and so I thought that that would be a good place to start is for us to each share basically how we define sovereignty and what it means in relationship to our work, and then of course we'll dial it into the relationship to this topic. So you start us off, woman. Okay. Um... Yeah, so for me, when I go external and, I, and I'm trying to you know, get the, the Webster's definition of sovereignty, it's very hard edged for me. It's very masculine. It talks about like absolute power. And when I go internal and I reflect on this within myself, for me, um, claiming my own spiritual sovereignty has such a blend of the masculine and the feminine energy that it's almost in the effortless effort that the, the sovereignty starts to rise. So it's this combination of staying focused, which is like quite a masculine energy, but also having this permission and this allowance for um, our authenticity of our true self to, to show itself and present itself to us. So if I'm to define it, it that, that's how I would define it, is that it's, it's a path of becoming who you innately are and, and remembering who you are. Yeah. Mm, I love that. The path to becoming innately who you are and remembering who you are. I would say the way I experience it, how I like to work with that, my understanding of that word is very similar. And one of the things that I love about this word that started coming on my radar maybe two or three years ago. And when I first heard it, it just seemed a little bit um, not inaccessible, but sort of lofty. And I, I think maybe because some part of me associated it with ro royalty is the first thing that comes to mind. Some, you know, a sovereign, a royal sovereign. And so it didn't feel so accessible. That's the word so accessible. And I had one fellow colleague in particular who was using it quite a bit in her work. And then I think it, I had a reading with an intuitive and 
it came out in the reading with the intuitive. And when she said it to me as almost like a directive, I could feel the transmission that was in her delivery around sovereignty and something, you know, activated or clicked within me that number one was, yes, this is important now, you know, now there is something about these times and this word and this concept and our um, sort of what we're bringing to it at this time that's very magical. Um, but I don't mean that in an airy fairy sort of way. I mean it in a in a hmm, in a power based way. So I'm going to say a little bit more about that. <laughs> so if one of the things that we associate with right away with sovereignty is royalty we can have many responses or reactions to that one is is a one and the other reaction so the one and the other is part of the dynamics of domination and submission that are part of human history there's the one the elevated one and the other that's you know the dirty one the unclean one the not wanted one the whatever fill in the blank and so on the one hand, sovereignty can, the word sovereignty can kind of conjure up notions and even wounds, I would say, around domination and submission, around not enoughness, around injustices with power. By the same token, if we bring a different, it's more than just a different narrative, it's a, it's a different knowing in our bones in relationship to the word. And that was the transmission that I got when the, the person I was working with said it to me. There was a transmission that it activated a knowing in my bones that said, I am royalty. I am royalty. And in fact, I, I truly believe like we are all royalty here on the planet. And so when we feel what it, what it means for us to take that seat, to take that throne, each of us as royalty, then sovereignty comes into comes into a a dynamic within the self that's about powering up and sort of powering into our nobility into our regalness mm -hmm. so all of these words that before we maybe had things attached that were disempowering paradigms now they can be sort of a a power collecting or a power generating paradigm or activation so that's why I love using this word now because of this connection to royalty and us really what you said, re both remembering who we are and, re and a reclaiming, if you will, of who we are. Absolutely. I love the, the point that you're making on um, how it's magical and mystical and, and how for me, when you were saying that, and you're like, not to make it airy fairy or not to make it whimsical, when you're saying it, it the, the magicalness of it is that we are experiencing a time when it's coming into fruition. And prior to now, it's been an imagination or it's been a vision. And that's what makes it mystical or magical. And what's happening is that we are literally coming into a time in, in human history where, where people are, are saying, this is what I want for myself. This is what I'm, I'm claiming for myself. And it's almost like 
the word needs to be that big, like sovereign's a big word and it needs to be that big so that we can really ask like, am I ready to step up and grab hold of that? Am I ready to step into myself? Am I ready to step into this power? And as though we're like being asked to really bravely look within ourselves and see, okay, what needs to be shed? What needs to be released? What needs to stay? Like, what have we accumulated up until now that's actually really working for us? Because we can get so fixated on, on the releasing of things that we forget to celebrate what we have actually done up until now to get to this point. And that sovereign word is almost like the calling into yourself. Like, it's almost like the, put, if you want to relate it back to royalty, it's almost like the putting on of the royal cloak in a mm -hmm. sense that the king or the queen wears, right? And claiming, um, I don't know what you call those, like, you know what they hold? This It's not a like staff. Like a scepter, but, a scepter. Yeah. A royal scepter. Right? Mm -hmm. Like there's these, these, these things that are, that, are, that are only allowed by a sovereign. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so by claiming them for ourselves, it's, it's like, yes, we're, we're stepping into our own royalty. And even the piece where you're saying, like, there's this duality of... Um, you know, when you're thinking of royalty, that in order for one to be royal, then there has to be this polarity in the opposite direction of someone um, not having in order for this to have. Mm -hmm. And this is what I think is so beautiful about putting the word spiritual sovereignty in there, is that you're claiming that sovereignty from the space within rather than claiming it by taking it away from someone else. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Well said. And there's a there's a beautiful thing that can happen if we imagine if if we are our own sovereign. Uh, which, by the way, isn't a denial of our our connection to to other beings and and um, our connection in general. It's not saying, oh, each is a dominating sovereign over another, but it's that if we are a sovereign unto ourself, which is which is also representative of a deep understanding of our power and our place in relationship to our power, then what happens is that there's a natural hierarchy that we experience within the self where there is an aspect of the mm -hmm. self that we could say is like the king queen on the throne and maybe we you know perhaps just for play we could say if we associate that with the heart space we have the king queen upon the throne of the heart space and we sort of want the universe of ourself to orient around that heart space around the sovereign so there are all these other parts and pieces maybe you know there's those working in the fields and there's those going out and collecting taxes. I'm just I'm using the kingdom metaphor, but it's all <laughs> happening within the being. And it's not like to, to what you said, it's not about taking power away from anyone. It's about actually allowing everything to work in the order that it was meant to. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Go further with that, Tiffany. About allowing things to work in the order that they were mm -hmm. meant to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's really interesting thing because having been like I imagine you've been in the in the transformational realms like seriously honestly ever since I can remember just completely 
kind of fixated slash glued to what is this human experience and who are we and how do we change and why do some people seem to change and others not so much like it's all quite fascinating to me right and now we're at a time of accelerated both accelerated breakdown and accelerated um emergence or opportunity for emergence from the breakdown so within the realms of transformation we have many different spheres and within each sphere, each sphere has its own context and its own sort of rules and set of understanding. So, for example, we have the psychological sphere is one. Um, we could say we have the spiritual or the religious sphere. So within these different spheres, spheres that I've spent portions of my time exploring, uh, wanting to better myself and evolve as a human being, there have been different points over the course of my life where it either I had the experience of either feeling that I needed to <laughs> like completely cut away some part of me right in order to be a spiritual being or I've had, um, it, within the psychological context, I've had some experiences of, oh, no, gather up all the, the parts and, like, give them an equal place at the table. And then that gets quite noisy quite fast. Like, wow, I have a lot of people at my table and who's, who's in charge here? <laughs> so this, this I've been fascinated by the phrase natural hierarchy ever since I was in spiritual community a num number of years ago. But like, can we as human beings with all of this karma around domination and submission actually give rise to natural hierarchy? Well, it would have to start within. And, and to some degree, our body, our biological processes naturally do it. But even with the biological processes, all kinds of things can go awry because of how we actually function. So to the point of natural hierarchy, within this context that we're talking about, we say, okay, there are actually higher and lower parts of the self. That is not a value judgment, like some are bad and some are good, but there is a value discernment that's important that's, that says something like, I'll, I'll use myself for example, if I sincerely wanna grow and change, there are parts of myself that I'm gonna give less attention <laughs> because I sort of know the rules of the game for that dimension of the self. And, and I'm actually not gonna put that part of the self in the driver's seat. So in the driver's seat, I want to have my sovereign heart or my throne of the king and queen say, that's in the driver's seat. I put my attention there first, I orient around there first. And then yes, do I give the other pieces and parts of me that want to complain or want to whine or have to, or they're wounded or they have, of course, because I found that if I don't give those any place, it comes back around, <laughs> it comes back around. So, and we want to be integrated beings, right? So within this idea of sovereignty, we can integrate in relationship to a central piece, which is still us. Am I making sense? Uh, yes, you are. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think you're you're tying into a few different points that that we've been talking about already. I mean, you 
you're talking about the parts of yourself and if you want to go back to inviting them to be sitting at the table if you want to go back to the castle and the royal king and queen i mean they literally sit at the head of the table mm-hmm. and everyone sits on the sides of the table right so and i agree with you i mean if you even look at a family dynamic and everyone in the family is sitting around the table if everyone's allowed to speak at the same time it just creates a lot of noise mm-hmm. and it creates a lot of uh, cacophone and a lot of chaos at the table and if you tell all the children to be quiet and only speak to the adults the little pokes from the kids get louder and louder and louder until they're finally given an opportunity to speak mm-hmm. so i agree with you there's times when we need to ask certain parts of 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 ourselves that is still sovereign to be quiet because this is the piece and the voice that i'm choosing to listen to and i i think just to extend on that for me personally let's say i give all my attention right now to my my king and queen my sovereign self and nothing else is getting in my way of that if i zoom out on that and look at the bigger picture of my whole life up until this point my king queen have not been driving for the last 43 years there's all these other parts of myself the complainer the unworthiness the undeserving piece they have all had huge chunks of years of my life where they have had opportunity to sit on the throne. Mm-hmm. And so by intentionally and consciously making the decision each day that today it's my king and queen that get to sit here and you've had 30 years to sit at the head of the table, <laughs> right? To those other parts of myself, you get to sit on the sides of the table now because this is what now gets to be at the head of the table. Mhm. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. I would even say there's a a deep transrational relief in that experience because it just feels it's it's more than a feeling it's like a feeling and a knowing at the same time of the rightness of it and this isn't about making it a conversation of right and wrong because it transcends that but it's that it's like um you know if you've ever watched episodes of uh he does it's like a dog whisperer uh, a dog trainer a famous dog trainer whose name is escaping right Caesar or something I think Bizan was talking about that a few weeks ago Caesar Caesar yeah he he I've only seen a few episodes but one of the things that he shares is how um if if human beings sort of anthropomorphize their pets and their their pet is like their friend which of course our pets are our friends but we sort of project our human stuff onto them and we don't actually own the position of the sovereign in relationship to the animal that right. the animals actually get quite neurotic and it's deeply uncomfortable for them and then it, whatever the challenge is for the pet owner so it's the same thing within ourselves like when we give these other parts that are fractional parts of the self they they were never sort of they don't have the ability to see and hold the big picture that is beyond rational beyond time and space the big picture that can actually hold the merging of our infinite and finite selves all at once our fractional parts of the self can't do that so if they're sitting at the throne they've they've what you, absconded or abducted the throne right abducted yeah yeah abducted the throne then then we actually feel neurotic actually this is one definition of neuroticism we feel neurotic we feel restless we feel anxious and when 
I know I can speak just for myself is that when I orient around my sovereign center, which doesn't mean, by the way, that the other pieces and parts of me aren't sovereign. It's just that I'm orienting around the sovereign, the actual sovereign center. There's deep relief that comes. And even though I might have a doubt or a worthiness thing that comes up, I just, I know what my allegiance is to. Life gets a lot more clear and mm-hmm. it gets a lot more direct. I love the word allegiance. I love how you're throwing in all these like uh, royal words that we can use in this conversation. Yeah. And if you take that back into like the actual body example that you're giving earlier, orientating yourself around the heart is much more natural than if we were trying to orientate ourselves around the spleen. The Mm -hmm. spleen isn't unnecessary and doesn't serve a purpose, of course, 100%, but we're not meant to orbit around the spleen, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. But orbiting around the heart space is almost like easing into the natural state. I was just thinking about um, the Western psyche and the movement. I'm oversimplifying a little bit, but the the movement with Descartes about I think, therefore I am, which which you know there was a lot of sort of build up to that point, but then that point being actual and symbolic of a very real shift that happened, that from from the perspective that I teach within the realm of energetic medicine, it initiated a a very distinct um, schism or split between the head and the heart or the mind and the body. And so, and so we, we've done great things, elevating the mind to high, high places and emphasizing the mind and emphasizing logic, emphasizing the, and leading with the models, the things in space model orienting around the things in space model and uh, the price to pay over the long run is that we we do feel disconnect I mean not everybody will say this I'm, I'm aware that it does take a level of awareness to be able to even recognize like oh <laughs> I am cut off like my head is running the show and mm-hmm. and I'll start to feel when I know this in myself and I see it in, in my patients is they'll refer to the body parts in a third person. <laughs> oh, the knee, the knee is hurting me again. The, the <laughs> this, right? And and so these are just sort of some practical examples of what it looks like when we're not leading with the sovereign heart center. And again, I want to qualify that this conversation, and I'm pretty sure you feel the same way, Heather, that this this isn't a conversation of this is the right way, this is the wrong way, but it's a conversation of this is a way that will probably be much more satisfying for many people, probably anybody that's listening to this that has the level of development to be able to even be interested in this, that if we're, we, we choose to align with our sovereign center on a daily basis as a practice, there's extraordinary value in that. Mm-hmm. And and while, and this might be when you might want to share some things about how you support people, while it's really helpful to have people guide you into that that are skilled, like I'm so grateful for my spiritual mentors and spiritual teachers over the years, it's also deeply, truly, profoundly who we are. So these spiritual teachers and spiritual mentors are, are guiding us to the truth of who we are and creating some positive accountability 
of us aligning our actions with the truth of who we are, aligning our orientations and aligning our choices with the truth of who we are. What if this came up when you were talking and I'm, I'm just exploring it now for the first time, but what if when you're talking about how we in our Western culture, we really place a hierarchy on the mind. Mm. So what if like, even within, what if each, just to go a little bit further on each part being its own sovereign space, here's the piece that I'm seeing happening um, in, a, in a cultural sense in, in like right now in, in human history is that we are, many people for the first time are putting pause on attracting more knowledge, more resources of information, more like learning all the sides of the topic from this cognitive place and then making a decision on which is the best choice. And what I'm seeing is a shift that people are choosing to, this is how we sort of reclaim the sovereignty of the mind in a sense, is that we're, we're pulling back in and saying, okay, I'm hearing this and I'm hearing this and I'm choosing to discern for myself in my sovereignty of my mind, but I'm mm -hmm. also going to take into account what does my heart think? Mm -hmm. How does my body feel? What are the emotions that are coming up for me right now that are acting as a guidance system? And even if I'm choosing to make a decision still from my mind space, I'm allowing myself to do the discernment from my choices internally. Rather than I think prior to, to like a short time ago, it was just, here's what someone's telling me to do. Therefore, I need to do that. Mm -hmm. And we're pulling back in a little bit. We're getting a little bit quieter and saying, I'm hearing this and I'm hearing that. And I'm going to actually just mm, go a little quieter mm. and see what the parts of my body want to say on that, even though I'm letting the mind be its own sovereign. Mm -hmm. But I'm including the wisdom of the heart space. Mm -hmm. And how our, our physical bodies have this power within it. It's a guiding system for us. When our bodies are strong, we feel stronger. We feel like we're more sovereign when our actual body is, is in strength and vitality. I love right? it. And I, was, I was thinking as you were talking about that, that in um, Chinese medicine, we have a saying that the heart can only ever know the moment. And so... I think that even in what you what you described about the sovereignty of the mind, it requires the sovereignty of the heart to be able to do what you just described because there's a there's a kind of radical coming to with oneself that even though you're in how I felt what you described was like the the phrase being of sound mind like to be of sound mind you need to have the presence of the heart that sort of calls you into this moment right now 
with whatever the various swirling parts are. Um, so just adding that to the piece that I, I don't even think it's necessarily a, a, that, that it's an either or of the heart and the mind, but that maybe there's this capacity of what we're now calling the heart as the sovereign that gives the mind and the, and the body the ability to be autonomous present agents unto itself. <laughs> Yeah, and it feeds the, I love that, and it's feeding, it's feeding the, the decision-making. Mm. So, like, and this is where, going back to the very beginning, where I was describing how the masculine and the feminine tone of sovereignty, so as the heart is in this absoluteness of itself, like a good mother, she still listens to what her children have to say. So it's still taking in what the mind wants to include, what the body wants to include. And so she's not, this go, also goes back to like this, these like pillars of sovereign beings walking around versus like a collective mm. wholeness. The only way that the heart can be in its sovereignty is to also take into account the other parts that it wants to um, contribute to that. Mm -hmm. Well said. And so when we expand that into our individual sovereignty, the only way that we can be authentically claiming our sovereign spirituality is to be also linking arms with how you choose to claim your spiritual sovereignty. And your way might look a little different from mine, but it's the same frequency. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Do you, would you like to share more about how you... Well, how about this first? This feels important is why do you think that spiritual sovereignty is so important right now? And why do you and and maybe tie that into like why do you why do you particularly feel compelled to support people to that aim? So, first question is why is it so important right now? Mm -hmm. I think on the masses, there's a few things happening. On the masses, people are waking up and choosing to want to exist in a different paradigm than what is currently taking place. That's number one. And in that waking up experience, they're aware that they have gaps that need to be attended to. Mm. The second piece to that is on a deeper level, and this is just my own personal piece, if we peel back all of the crises that we have right now, so environmental crises, political crises, Me Too movements, Black Lives Matter, um, what's happening in Afghanistan right now, like all of these major critical events that are taking place. Underneath all of that, I feel a current of just this intense forgetting how to self-love. And it's the undercurrent of every single movement that's taking place right now. And we're forgetting how to love ourselves. We're forgetting that we are 
these amazing waves of light that are deeply embedded in a physical experience. And in the embedding of this physical experience, we're forgetting that we're waves of light. So part of my personal mission is to support individuals in learning how to love themselves again. And if we do this on an individual basis and create that ripple effect, it's, it's, a, it's an underlining spiritual war that I see taking place right now. And that divine spiritual sovereignty, that light is so bright, it can, it can brighten any dark space. Mm. I don't know if I answered your question. Yeah, I don't know. I, I was going to say, I don't remember what the question was. I was just in the feeling and receiving of what you said. Um, I experienced when you were just speaking, when you said, that we are that pe people have forgotten how to self-love I, I will tell you i didn't feel connection to that statement forgetting how to self-love and it could be that i have some kind of disconnect to it but i as i'm just sitting with it after having heard what you said i think that how i witness it in people and how i've witnessed it in myself is that we that there's a there's a series of progressive deepening of disconnects within the self and between the selves and and we've lost a sort of natural orientation or how I'll often feel this is that we we've we've lost our inner transformational compass we've lost connection to our inner transformational compass and i think this may be actually what you what you were saying by saying we've lost self-love i think they're very similar but i wanted to offer up this way of thinking about it too for people in case anyone maybe couldn't relate to the loss of self-love piece yeah because i totally. think most most people can also some people can absolutely relate to the loss of self-love and i think a lot of people can relate to just like a general disorientation of what the what the like which way is up? Which way is down? Who should I believe? Who should I not believe? Which way is the right mm -hmm. way? Which way is the wrong way? You know, we're pinging back and forth between um, fear and unproductive desire and guilt and shame. And those things are actually acting as the maladaptive compass points. I'm laughing, but it's really not that funny. But guilt and shame, fear and unproductive desire or distorted desire. We could say unproductive fear and distorted desire, which in Chinese medicine run in the water fire, the north south axis. And then either guilt and shame or regret and resentment on the mm. east west axis or the, the horizontal axis. And so, so we, then we're basically orienting around distortion of truth, which is offline of sovereignty. It's like completely offline. Whatever the opposite of sovereignty is, it's it's there. Do you want to add something to that? You look like it was about no, to come I'm, out of your mouth. No, I'm still like I'm on the edge of my seat. <laughs> I'm, doing. I'm just on the okay. edge of my seat. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 like I, I, I think part of what I'm feeling in this moment is how you and I, and how we were talking about it even before we started recording, how 
marveling at how we're both drawn to this word at this time and and both of for us the work that we do with helping individuals is powering up work it's reorientation work it's integrative work it's self-loving work and i know for me when i think about the very question i asked you which is why at this time it's because we well if you if you think about what happens in metamorphosis like an actual true metamorphosis when if we use the classic example of a of a caterpillar becoming a butterfly there's a certain point in as the caterpillar is going about its business where its cells start to break down and there's like a it's it's a metamorphic mush is what really it's a metamorphic mush and it's and this caterpillars if you watch them during this time they get really restless and they they just like act like that you cannot please them they don't know what they want they're trying to find something (laughs) they don't know how to find it and uh and and it looks like they're in pain actually if you see them sort of thrashing about in this time and i i kind of imagine that it is a type of pain in a way and and then they find their stick or whatever they get on and then they the the change starts to happen but it is analogous to what's happening for us collectively right now. I think that we have these in stages, even be you know pre this particular time, we all would experience metamorphosis in our life. But this is such a it's such a grand collective one. And what I want to say one more thing about the metamorphosis is that when the cells start to break down into that metamorphic mush, you know that scientists still don't actually know exactly what happens here, but part of what happens that we do know is that it's from this mush, like this liquefaction of what was, that the new cells take shape and the new cells actually become a completely different sort of entity in the world. Mm-hmm. So, so one perspective we could take is like, the lack of self-love or the or the loss of self-love or the loss of internal transformational compass is a bad thing not that either of us necessarily said that but that's a an angle that's that um transformational guides could take like oh no you've lost your transformational compass oh no where's your self-love and yes that's true from one perspective from the meta perspective it's like oh yeah You've lost your transformation. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're feeling that? Totally offline of self-love. Okay, now it's getting real. Mm -hmm. I agree because I've seen, even within myself, it's almost like you need to get to that. For some of us, not everyone, but it's almost like you get to this point where you're like, I can't stand myself. Like, (laughs) I can't stand being in my own skin. Like, I just... I'm so itchy from this thing that I've been trying to work through and we're, you just, it's like, what can I, and that's the thing that's making people go, okay, enough is enough already. Mm. Enough is enough. And it takes that, I don't know, that amount of friction for lack of a better word to create the real, like, like looking in the mirror to be like, okay, and what am I going to now do about it? Mm. Yeah, and for maybe preceding that is the God help me or like universe yeah. save me. The deep surrender, the deep spiritual surrender. Like, oh, I nothing that I have access to right in this moment is the thing that's going to help me. Something else. I'm calling on you. Absolutely. I literally had um, before we talked today. I literally had someone come in, and that's exactly how she. She's like. 
I can't sit. I can't stand. I can't. And I said, why don't you lie down? And she had to lie down and just this like, <laughs> I, 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 I just offer it up this like, you know, like I'm just offering it up because I, I don't know what to do anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and that losing of that transformational compass, I've never actually heard that term before. And I love it. I'm going to, I'm going to pull it into my conversations, more transformational compass. I think what we're talking about there is a separation from source or a separation from wholeness and mm. whatever layer that happens on, there's a feeling of loneliness with that. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's where I'm coming into with like losing our sense of our ability to love ourselves is the loneliness that we feel when we're losing our compass. And just how you mentioned, and I, I, I do not know what to do in this moment. Mm-hmm. I've, I've exhausted all the resources that I have and I, I don't know what to do in this moment. Um, mm. And you're right. It's so beautiful, like to, to shine a light down on that and look at it. And it's like, oh, my God, you're becoming a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Just hang on. You're just you're, you're becoming a butterfly. I love that. We could just say that to people and to ourselves. Hang on. You're becoming a butterfly. <laughs> Come on, don't and they're like, I don't want to be a fucking butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be a caterpillar. <laughs> I know. So true. It's that beautiful quote who I can't remember who it's by, but the paraphrasing is there comes a point when the pain of staying how you are, the pain of staying how you are basically becomes too great. And so you release into what can be, oh, I just totally butchered that quote, but you get the sense of it. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something I wanted to weave in and then um, we'll move into some closing comments. Or, or maybe we could each share something that we found really helpful for ourselves and and or for our clients in terms of supporting this idea of growing in our awareness and capacity for spiritual sovereignty. <coughs> Excuse me. Okay, two short things. These are actually kind of big things, but I'm just going to weave them in lightly. One is that this this spiritual surrender piece, which we just kind of laughed about, but we both know it's a big deal. It's it's really like the in 12 step community. It's the first step in recovery from addiction It is it the way it's phrased is about powerlessness, but it's a it's a recognition of surrender and it's the entryway into a new life and a new experience of being. And from a, from a Chinese medicine perspective in the relationship to how I work with the elements, which are almost archetypally, it's that we, we are infinite beings that come into a finite body and we all experience Mm. some challenge and some trauma in our life some people much more than others and er, starting early on um we i think of this like if you can imagine one vertical line coming up which we could call our authentic self or our spiritual being our spiritual self which is always present it never goes anywhere it's infinite it's never been harmed it's always ready to go it's the evolutionary impulse itself 
we are constantly arising from no thing in every second. Like that's the biggest, truest truth of who we are, right? Then, then from that, we have say an experience of this trauma or that trauma, and we draw conclusions about ourself from that trauma. So from, from the five element lens, it, it's usually one of five things, like either I do not have the power, life is unjust, everything I value will be lost, my needs won't be met, or I cannot trust. Those are the general five things. So then we form, the way I see it is like, here's the line, vertical line, and then we form these little side branches that are our, make up our persona, mm-hmm. or as I referred to earlier, our fractional self. And that's also part of ourself. It's the part of, you know, the, the parts that come to the table. It from a from a hero and heroine's journey perspective, it's sort of the coming back into that vertical alignment that is our hero and heroine's journey. And uh, with these pieces and parts that we form off to the side, these aspects of persona, they can become really hardy in our life you know really tough really strong it's it's our outward facing self it's how we keep our shit together you know it's how we are in relationships it's how we put our businesses together and so when we start going into the metamorphic mush Mm. part of it is that all of those personas when we talk about like major meltdown into metamorphic mush all of those personas are no longer working for us anymore like the tools tricks perspectives they no longer work it's not that they're bad they just no longer work for us anymore and so we're like grasping 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 and i remember one point when i was going through a divorce and um and i i was so neurotic and suffering so much in my mind and I have all the work that I do with the oils, you know, and with Aroma Point. And I was like, I, I mean, I was just smearing oils all over. <laughs> it was, I know. And, the, and these oils do work wonders. That's the truth. And especially when we do them thoughtfully. Nothing, nothing was working. It wasn't changing anything. And I remember having this moment like, even the oils don't <laughs> And there is this like, that's the sweet surrender point where those where the power is the power that's you been usurped into one of those branches of the persona, it's been usurped from the sovereign core, if we will, the power comes back to the sovereign core, not so that we deem these other parts unsovereign, but so that it can all be held within the true sovereignty of being right. Oh my God, that's so well said. <laughs> so well said, Tef- Tiffany. That's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. You can call me Tiff anytime, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were going to, uh, and maybe if you're comfortable with it, you could share a, a tool or, a, I mean, you've already shared a lot of perspectives, but something that you offer to your clients when you're working with them in this way for anybody who's listening. Um, so a tool for the chaos or a tool for claiming the spiritual sovereignty, what, what do you want to dive into there? To the second thing you said. Okay. So I would say the biggest tool to have when you're exploring these metamorphic 
lifestyle changes is to be aware of your cocoon. Mm. And so if you know that you can hold your own space for yourself while you're having this metamorphosis, beautiful, do that, own that. And there are times in my life when I know that what I'm working on is so big that I can't actually hold my own space. And that's when I go external. And that's when I choose to bring in a teacher, a guide, um, to, so that they can hold the container for me so that I can have my experience in its fullest. Hmm. Does that make sense? Totally. Awesome. And that's the biggest conversation I think I have with people is it's like, is what you're going through something that feels like you can hold your own container for? Or do you feel like you need some support with that? And that's usually what I end up having a conversation on when I'm, when I'm you know, having a, a clarity call with someone to see if we're a good fit for each other. Is, is is trying to discern in that conversation, do they actually need an external support? Um, and if so, am I that for them or is someone else a better fit for them? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And I guess if, if I'm, I just think the tools are so personalized, Tiffany, that I can't yes, quite, yes. they're so personalized. I feel that. But that. if I say, you know, do well, this, the, then the it's, cocoon yeah. was the, the cocoon is a, a tool that's a contextual. Um, it's a tool in its own right, because it, it mm -hmm. helps us with perspective. How about you? <clears throat> I'll say just to add to what you said uh, about the power of working with someone in these realms, the thing that I find super fascinating about the, this off, the offering that you have for people, because I up until I met you, I actually didn't know of, that an offering like this existed. What I could have a personal, spiritual mm -hmm. mentor like what 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 when, when did that happen <laughs> hmm. um and i i think it's a really amazing reality at, at a splendid time in history because most people understand what a mentor is and most of us have experienced having somebody mentor us whether formally or informally over the course of our life in different realms but spirituality was sort of the domain of you if maybe you have a church and there's the the minister or the pastor or the leader and sort of the hierarchy within the church or maybe you're part of a spiritual community and there's the hierarchy within the spiritual community with both both of which I've experienced in my life and neither one of them contained like a personal spiritual mentor <laughs> Mm, right. I, I, I think I looked to individuals within those communities to be that. And I learned a lot from people in that way, but there was nobody that actually sat down with me and said, you know, heard me out and felt me and, and, and genuinely heard my ideas for what I desired for myself without an agenda 
that was attached to a, do- a particular dogma, a particular spiritual dogma. So I just want to acknowledge you that this is this is huge and timely work and offering that you have and that you are mm-hmm. that you are and I, I'm just kind of giddy about it to be honest. I mean what and also I'm thinking about for the people that have you know history of of religious wounding or of authoritarian abuses of power within religious or spiritual communities and have sort of turned their back on that whole realm of things because they were really wounded and hurt and or traumatized. Mm -hmm. So um, this is a very different, beautiful and unique way to be able to have spiritual guidance from someone. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And testament to that too, in the way that you just answered the last question, which is beautiful. I would say for I'm going to tune into that question. You know what what is coming to me is <laughs> this is going to sound so silly is just do it. It's the, it's the Nike slogan. And I'm going to qualify that. What I experience and what I help people with is their births of future self, their births of brilliance, their creative births and what I truly believe and see is that we get to experience ourselves as vital spiritual creative forces of nature and extensions and expressions of nature when we create. And I I believe that we came here to create. And this can look any number of ways for all of the different types of people. I happen to to mainly work with entrepreneurs and people that have, that are in the spiritual uh, or, or healing, helping arts. But but no matter what level it is in which you want to create, when you give yourself over to the creation, when you say yes to it, when you say yes to the dream that's dreaming you, you're birthing yourself in each moment, and that is by its very nature. If, if you give yourself over to that process, like the tools arise as you need them, the help arises as you need it. And it's such a like rich, grounded and magical way to exist in this life. I, I would like not trade it for anything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a great close, I think. Isn't I it? think so too. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, everyone. Oh, let's actually say, why don't you say, Heather, how people can get in touch with you? And also, I'll mention that in the show notes with this, you can find sure. contact information for Heather. Yeah, sounds great. Um, so, my website's pretty complicated. It's heatherivany.com. <laughs> so my last name is I-V-A-N-Y. So it's just my name.com, heatherivany.com. I am on Instagram, um, just Heather Ivany Yoga. But if I'm more active with responding to people messaging me directly from my website than from um, social media, but you can find me there as well. And yeah, um, I just think this is such a beautiful platform that you've opened up here, Tiffany, just Mm. this opportunity to have a multitude of conversations about things that on the outside would look like they're very different from each other. But when you're listening week to week to what you're offering it, they really link in and tie together. Mm. Um, It's a deep service that you're doing, Tiffany. 
Thank you. Thank you. Super well received. Well done. Mm, What a Mm. joy. All right. Thank you, everybody. And we'll see you in the next episode. Sounds good. Thank you.